Welcome to the Sports Pro Podcast. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Sports Pro Podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Tom Basson. We're coming to you off the back of what is undoubtedly one of the biggest sports business news stories of the year. That is, of course, the new NFL rights deals, which are announced on Thursday. And we'll see the NFL receive a whopping $110 million over the next 11 years as the league managed to re-up with all of its major broadcast partners and bring in a new deal with Amazon to exclusively stream Thursday Night Football. What follows is my conversation with former senior Fox executive Patrick Craigs, who now serves as a strategic media advisor and was able to offer some fascinating insights into what the deals mean, not just for the NFL, but for the wider US broadcast landscape. You're listening to the Sports Pro Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the Sports Pro Podcast. I'm joined by Patrick Craigs, a strategic media consultant and former former senior Fox executive. And um, we're going to be discussing the sort of hot topic in sport business this week. You can't really get away from it. It's the... Uh, the mega money new NFL rights deals. Um, Patrick, I thought perhaps we'd start with a your sort of your big picture takeaway from what we saw yesterday. I mean, it was a lot of money and a lot of different facets built into each deal, but there must have been sort of one thing that you thought immediately when you saw it all kind of announce on Twitter and various other places. Yeah, I mean, my my first thought was, you know, the NFL remains the most important media property really in the world, <laughs> um, even though it's very US centric. Um, it's impossible to to not take a look at this deal and say this is an eleven year deal. Uh, this is an enormous amount of money that very serious, important corporations, businesses, uh, reigning the gambit of of uh, across the board of different industries, you know, different platforms have committed to. Right? I mean, this is if you talk about capital strategic allocation, uh, this is it. Um, and, um, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing in the context of anything else that's going on in media on a single kind of property basis. Um, overall though, I would say that, you know, what's happened here in this deal looks an awful lot like what's happened over the past couple decades plus with the NFL. The NFL has consistently found ways to engage both its established partners and keep them while adding new partners and platforms right in in not in a zero sum kind of way like let's take the sunday package from cbs right but more in cbs you can keep your sunday package and we're going to add somebody else and we're going to add some different distribution platforms as well you're going to pay us more you might end up with a smidge less content but this is all going to work together and it's not going to make you feel competitive necessarily with any any new partner they've did, done it again um, they've done everything from ad um, a streaming, exclusive streaming um, a platform partner in Amazon to um, managing to be able to keep uh, the number of games they needed for NFL Network, a pay TV channel that's a couple billion dollar business intact. Um, all the established partners re-upped. They re-upped for 70 to 80% more than what they were currently play- paying. Um, those those each one of those partners got some kind of ability to use new digital platforms in conjunction with their established platforms. 
Um, so the business as it is today continues to run while the future is looked after and built um, over this decade long plus deal uh, to follow the consumer as consumption trends evolve. You know, there's, there's kind of a feeling I feel sometimes on Wall Street among certain analysts and certainly in the media that streaming is new and very exciting and everybody should jump into it immediately. And of course they should. And of course they have. But the truth of the matter is, is that um, established platforms are where the profits are. They're also where the majority of the people still are. In fact, established platforms, while in secular decline and necessitating the need to build digital platforms, remain enormously important. Most people have both, quite frankly. Most people uh, access their Netflix subscription, for example, in some way through an established platform, not in partnership with, but uh, through their broadband provider. And to them... When they access it on their big screen on the glass, it looks kind of seamless. So um, we're kind of in an incremental expansion of distribution. And this deal is the perfect way to preserve what you have now and let the established system continue to build the new system uh, in a cooperative, incremental way, which is very different, quite frankly, than the narrative of three or four years ago, where we had these large zero sum must abandon the old system and go to the new system, which is exactly what you would say somebody who's never been responsible for some kind of PL at a media company or at the NFL to say, because that makes sense. But the truth is far more complicated, as is consumer behavior. Uh, definitely a few interesting points there that um, I'd like to sort of dive into a little bit. I think one is the is the yeah that that point you mentioned about the kind of distribution and who who's paying for it and where and where these people are being consuming the NFL. So, like you said, the the uh, all of the kind of major players NBC, CBS, uh, ESPN, Fox they've all got the option to put those um, put those games onto their streaming platforms. But then, is there a point at which kind of the people that are offering those streaming platforms, so those kind of intermediaries, are going to want to have to see a little bit of this as well? Well, they're going, they're going to see some of it now. They're already, they're already seeing some. What's interesting is that the streaming platforms that 95%, 90% of this content could end up on or will end up on, the small amount, and it could grow, are with the established partners. So, um, you know, one of the things that's happened in the past half decade is um, we had a narrative that established partners were not going to be able to compete on the digital space. Um, that was clearly wrong. I mean, it was clearly wrong. Um, and um, they, they certainly can. They've, each one of them, when they've chosen to, has built a very robust, good digital platform. They may not be profitable. They may still have lots of issues with them, but they are clearly the equal of any of their competitors, right? And the digital only space. It, it, kind of one of the most interesting stories about this is you can call this deal the triumph of established media. Um, Amazon's been added as a partner, but they're still going to have to uh, distribute the games in the home markets over the air through broadcast television, right? Majority of the economics of this deal will be paid for by the media companies partnering with the NFL through established media, primarily broadcast television, a medium that when I joined the media business in 1993, I was told was going to be killed by pay TV. Um, the thing won't die. It's actually driving all the economics of this deal because streaming remains very unprofitable. Um, it may not in the future, but streaming has its own challenges as an economic model, regardless of where the consumers are. So having a pro having a declining asset that's profitable is very useful in this context. So um, the streaming that could appear in the future, right, as the content kind of moves, you know, what, what all these established media companies 
got in this deal was we're going to put this stuff on established platforms because that supports the economics of this deal. But we have new platforms and we have the ability in conjunction with the NFL to begin to look at moving and experimenting with that full out. Right. So, um, you know, we can simulcast on a streaming platform in conjunction with our broadcast platform. Um, We can place some games exclusively inside our digital platforms. Um, This deal is constructed in such a way that it's flexible enough that in conjunction with the NFL, the partners can come and say, you know, we're seeing a need for a couple exclusive games inside these streaming services. Because the truth of the matter is um, the old established paid TV bundle had one characteristic about it that none of these digital platforms have today. It had pretty much all the content you wanted to see in one place. And you got it in one bill when you turned your TV on and it went away when you turned it off. The digital space at this stage of its development has taken all of that content in that one old pay TV bundle and smashed it into a million pieces. It's cobbled together and segmented in proprietary platforms, each one with its own subscription fee that is far too low for the platform to be profitable uh, because they're trying to attract customers and they're new. This includes Netflix, whose prices have to go higher, right? Even though they're the leader and they were first, you know, they launched, um, Netflix launched with a content library of everything, a price of near zero off the most successful DVD subscription business in history. Uh, No one's going to be able to do that again. So the content's been fractionalized. The media companies have taken a lot of their content away from Netflix. Everybody's developing their own entertainment content. Sports uh, is unique in the sense that it has to scale. And the old bundle allowed it to scale. Everybody pretty much you know, we had 95%, 90-some-odd percent of U.S. TV homes at peak bundle eight or nine years ago had a pay TV subscription. It was so terrible that many people had a pay TV subscription. Uh, when you put content inside, partnered with a distributor, you pretty much were able to partner with all the other distributors, and it got to everyone. Um, now, in the streaming space, everything can't get to everyone because it's fractionalized. And there's a paywall behind everything. You have to cobble your bundle back together. So this evolutionary process on the streaming side uh, segments the content. And that's a problem for sports. But as these platforms emerge and begin to have tier one content, not just entertainment, but sports, the consumer will begin to make choices about what they're going to have and what they're not going to have. And we'll probably see in the end that the sports, along with the entertainment content, including the tier one sports, will provide a heavy incentive for what I think will happen with digital rebundling. Bundling will come together, um, distributors and, and, and these fractionalized proprietary streaming services will work together to offer services and content to give the consumer an opportunity to bundle together and get all the content back. But that, that stepping stone into the future, that's not here today. So what this deal allows the content partners for the NFL to really do is move the content where it's most profitable and where the consumers most are keep the economics they have today in the established system while developing a future that, while I can see a kind of strategy for the future, hasn't emerged and is clearly from an economic perspective, not clear. So um, it's a genius deal in that sense. And um, the commissioner in his, in his call um, with the press used the word tricast multiple times. And I think that's, that's, that's been being kicked around for a while among some of us media folks. And the TriCast is simply the old system merged with the new system, broadcast and pay TV plus streaming. If you have the content rights for all three of those platforms, you can maintain your established economics while developing new economics. And I think that's what a lot of 
uh, Wall Street folks and many in the media have missed. You can't walk away from your current economics. They pay for everything to go to platforms that don't produce any economics. The TriCast enables that. It's all how you structure it. And the NFL and its media partners have done an excellent job in figuring that out, while at the same time adding a completely new partner with a different model in Amazon. So you know, hats off to the league and hats off to all the partners, including the new one, Amazon, for figuring out a way to make this very complicated problem uh, work and set the stage for future evolution of media content distribution. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly a, um, a real kind of slap in the face for those who said that the, the, the days of broadcast television were, were dead. I mean, it seems that it's kind of this deal legislates for that to be in place for at least another 11 years. Um, with, with that kind of emphasis still on those kind of regular places, is it fair to say now that the NFL kind of is broadcast television? Like what else is there that really you need to be tuning into regular TV for? Well, um, anything that really needs reach. I mean, it, it, it's it's you know we kind of we kind of look at the past and say broadcast got to everyone, right? Um, and that's gotten more complicated, certainly. But certain types of content that is so popular needs to get to everyone, right? Sports and news fit into that. Um, so broadcast isn't the only game in town anymore. It hasn't been for quite a long time. But what's emerged with broadcast is the power of that blowtorch reach, right? In conjunction with over the air because of the unique kind of distribution format. You know, broadcast television enables you to go out over the air and everyone with an antenna that doesn't cost a lot of money and isn't that hard to install now on the side of their house can get the signal. But most people consume their broadcast television affiliates within a pay TV bundle. And that's the economics that support this deal. Retransmission fees from broadcast affiliates and reverse retransmission comp, which is the part of network partners taking the local stations, retransmission fees from distributors are what are paying for this deal. And it's the robustness and the usefulness of broadcast television fitting into a matrix that TriCast. Broadcast has utility. Pay TV has utility. Streaming has utility. That is the genius behind this deal. Broadcast television is uh, ironically not going to die. Um, how it gets distributed, though, is is interesting. It already isn't distributed over the air to most people. It's distributed through pay TV bundles. What the future looks like is going to be an interesting um, thing. But the truth of the matter is, thanks to the building of digital platforms, the established media partners have at least a very strong route to that distribution future, um, of which we will probably find broadcast television affiliates manage to uh, walk over into the digital distribution era, into that kind of bundled, new new bundled content world, one that doesn't look like the old established video bundle, um, one that has video and services and videos, probably marketing uh, services or where the profits are. Um, you know, they walk over into that world. And, and honest to goodness, as somebody who literally with pay TV was an absolute crisis for broadcast television when I entered the business, to see that happening um, is the biggest counter narrative thing I think of my entire lifetime. Um, uh, it is certainly my media career. The survival and the economic um, continuation of broadcast television is an underreported story. And how it fits in in the future is clearly going to be bigger than people expect. It's just going to be more incremental with other platforms. So very, very interesting stuff. Um, if if we could now, I'd kind of like to segue into the kind of individual deals themselves. And I thought probably the best place to start would be with uh, ESPN. I mean, from from my perspective, they seem to get the the most um, extra with that with uh, without 
paying the most extra. So they went up from 2 billion to 2.7. Um, they added uh, themselves to the Super Bowl rotation. They got some postseason games. They got some exclusive stuff for ESPN Plus. What was kind of your, uh, have ESPN done well out of this? I think they've done very well out of it, but let's let's remember ESPN's developed the assets to do well out of it. Of all the uh, media companies that have developed uh, digital assets, they're the most far, they're the furthest along in figuring out how to make all that work together. Broad the TriCast work. So, with ESPN Plus being a robust uh, incremental platform to their pay TV networks and their broadcast network and ABC, uh, they were the best position to tell the league, look, give us, we already have a lot of your content. We need these pieces. We're paying a lot for it already. We have been for a long time. Uh, we're going to pay a big bump here, but um, these pieces are important. We're going to actually provide a significant amount of value. And we're going to try to make this TriCast model that you guys want us to embrace uh, work correctly. So um, give us these pieces that we want um, and and we'll pay you more, um, but we're not going to pay you double because we're not really doing a full package here, right? We're adding strategic pieces to it. That made a lot of sense to the league and they still pay the most, um, does Disney, but they, they now have content that works across each one of these platforms and they have the flexibility in conjunction with the league, right? To sort out where all this belongs in the future. Um, you know, typically, right, a Super Bowl, a year you have a Super Bowl, is worth about 250 to $300 million to your budget. So just getting two Super Bowls, right, helps justify the economics they pay. You know, that's quite a shot in the arm every year. Uh, it's it's not peanuts, right? And so, um, you know, building ESPN Plus with um, one exclusive game, but the option to simulcast more is important. It's like, well, what's working? What's not working? Let's experiment. You know, getting a playoff game, um, being able to monetize with uh, distribution partners, established distribution partners through retransmission fees by adding the 17th game, by adding the Super Bowl, by adding the playoffs for ABC and ESPN. You know, this is these these are crucial pieces to figuring out not only Disney's future, the NFL's future, but Disney's future, because Disney's future um, is definitely in the digital space. But the established space has a role as well. And um, I think they did quite well. Yeah, I mean, that would certainly be my takeaway. On to Fox then. Uh, they give up Thursday nights. I mean, it's a separate package, so it's kind of um, not exactly apples for apples, but they also uh, keep their sort of the what you'd probably think of as the top uh, NFL rights package and are able to add, um, and they've got some options to do bits and pieces around Tubi, which I don't think has kind of been covered all that much. What I mean, is the fact that they've had to increase the amount they pay so much, probably the reasons why they dropped the Thursday package? Well, I think what happened was, you know, when you're acquiring content as a media company for sports, um, you know, it has a lot in common with modern financial portfolio theory. You know, you're trying to create what val what's valuable to you in your portfolio might have more value or less value to another. Even though they're a media company, they their matrix, how they fit it all in and how they monetize with distributors and advertisers may look, may look different. And Advertisers and distributors don't want everybody to have the same thing. So that's why uh, they move around and, 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 and they buy advertising across all the media uh, uh, companies and they buy and distributors pay. You know, they like things that maybe they like the NFL, but they don't want you to have all NFL primetime or they they don't want you to have too much NFL. Right. And um, Thursday night football was always been, you know, uh, uh, an idea that the league had that expand when we talked at the beginning, this expansive way to create value. 
And um, they knew there was demand for league games on Thursday night, but how do you monetize it properly, right? And for the first couple of years of Thursday night football, it was hard in those days when entertainment prim- uh, programming was still strategically important to all the broadcast television networks. It's still important, right? But it's changed some. Um, you know, figuring out how to fit in another prime window of NFL actually got in the way of of some of this. It made it complicated for CBS and NBC and Fox, who were the broadcast partners at that time. ABC wasn't a broadcast partner to sort all of this out. Um, when Fox sold its entertainment assets to Disney, um, it kind of opened up space because Fox didn't need to program entertainment there all the time. They had a budget already laid in for those economics, though. So suddenly Thursday Night Football had a real partner that was willing to invest in it and try to experiment. What Fox found was that um, it, it didn't create necessarily for them all the incremental value they were looking for, and the league was looking to get that package up higher. They wanted to raise prices. made sense. The other broadcasters still didn't see how it fit into their matrix, right? So um, giving up Thursday night football for, for Fox um, is not necessarily something that's bad for them. It was an experiment. Um, they allocate those economics over to Sunday. Right. Where, you know, one of the things that's interesting about the Sunday only networks, uh, the Sunday day networks, uh, Fox and CBS is for a long time, people have been asking about, well, why is there an AFC package and why there's an NFC package and why doesn't the league get rid of that? Right. It's, we always get that. Why doesn't the league let me buy a game on demand? and Why doesn't the league just, you know, do this and do that? And the answer is the economics that pay for the media rights fees from, uh, for all this deal, as I said earlier, are going to come from retransmission fees for the Sunday networks. They have invested um, in an affiliate body that optimizes NFL distribution across conferences. Fox uh, has a strategy to, when it can, buy stations in NFC markets. And retransmission is a local phenomenon located, uh, negotiated by local stations. So if you own an affiliate in New York City and you're negotiating with a distributor with that affiliate, not with that network, with that affiliate for a retransmission fee, um, the fact that the Giants play and you have a certain number of guaranteed Giants games every year on your affiliate gives a boost to retransmission. If you were to suddenly mix the conferences completely, and there has been some breakdown of the conference strict distribution, but um, not total. It's it's really kind of small in the aggregate of it, right? We have cross-flexing and other things, but the majority of the conference games air on a you know specific Fox or CBS conference-specific package. If you got rid of those extra Giants games, the distributor is going to want to change the way they're, they're paying you, right? They're still going to pay you, but it's they got to take a look back and figure out what the value is, right? And that would occur across both both Fox and CBS and change the economics. You just can't do that. So it's a great example of how retransmission fees drive this deal, right? That the Sunday day packages weren't changed to just be agnostically NFL. Conferences still matter because that's how the business business evolved. And in Fox's case, after they sold the assets to Disney, um, they became very, very tied to the idea of pay TV bundles. I mean, Fox right now in its current incarnation, is is an all-in bet on on pay TV bundles, both 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 the ones that are established and the recreation of them in the digital space. Now, what this deal has enabled Fox by some of the rights they've secured is to begin to take uh, Tubi, which is a a platform that they bought for like four hundred and fifty million dollars. That's advertising supported, right? Um, we typically think of streaming as paywall only, but what's emerged is advertising supported 
uh, streaming, and Tubi is that currently. They will begin, you know, begin to experiment with that with NFL content. One, as I as I said earlier, one of the things that that didn't work out was that the media companies couldn't build streaming platforms because they didn't understand algorithms or they're too complicated or, or some, I don't, I never understood the argument, but it was really, really, really infected inside wall street three or four years ago. And it got out everywhere that just, there was no way that uh, the media companies could figure that it turns out building a streaming platform is more linear than we expected that you can go, get together the engineering talent to do it and manage it. And Fox in their position is going to begin to do that. It looks like. So this con this, this, this deal helps them, uh, solidify what gives them value, um, which is uh, uh, retransmission fees with, through via pay TV bundles, and it and it sets the stage for their their investment in Tubi to become something more and allow them an opportunity to grow a streaming business. So, from their perspective, I think they're thrilled. They got exactly what they wanted. You're right; they will continue to have the number one show uh, in media in 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 Fox NFL uh, the the late Sunday window on Fox. Um, is the number one show that will continue and they will have um, that for 11 years. And they will also have the basis for beginning to build a streaming platform on their own terms, on their own times. From their perspective, I think they're, they're thrilled. And for like NBC then, um, I mean, this, this for them is obviously a massive, massive part of their budget. Um, it's the, I mean, it's the, the primetime game in the US. Uh, is that really kind of what this is all about? Making sure they got it, but then maybe the, the kind of, the subplot here is what it means that they can't afford. Um, well, I think I think you know. Look, um, the number one primetime show in television um, is is the is Sunday Night Football, and um, you know, look, uh, it's football, right? But where it airs and when it airs changes its value, right? It goes to that portfolio thing. Uh, Sunday Day Football is somewhat different than primetime football, and so NBC has a unique corner on that market. Um, with fully established platforms. And renewing that as a cornerstone of their business was significantly important, and they achieved that. They also um, gained the right to begin to use Peacock in conjunction with NBC uh, to, to, to build the NFL. They're going to have some exclusive games on Peacock. They're going, they have the right to simulcast. Um, and um, that will help build this incremental story that I talk about. Um, as Peacock continues to be heavily invested in by by NBC, um, you know they 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 have moved a lot of content inside there, um, and they are sharing it across um, their other platforms, include NBC and USA. So this is just an extension of that of that strategy, um, but with the most important media company in the world securing the number one primetime show, right? Which is which is crucial to them. So um, I think from their perspective. They got exactly what they wanted. That's why they paid. Um, and again, it, it's it's about securing what you had. There was never any doubt about the value of the NFL for NBC or any of their partners. The real question was, how do we continue to have that value on these established platforms while learning to build for the future? And from NBC's perspective, um, I think they're very happy. They have both of those in hand, and now they go forward to other projects. And for CBS? What did you think there? Yeah, CBS, same deal, right? So there's the same theme here, right? CBS renews. Um, they have the same thing as Fox does, but they have a established streaming platform in what was CBS All Access and now is Paramount+. Plus. The remerger with Viacom um, enables the TriCast. 
And um, while they may not have any NFL on a pay TV network, that's beside the point. CBS All Access slash Paramount Plus, um, you know, streaming NFL games via the affiliates, right, is something they're going to do. Um, now, that obviously is a conversation for them and their affiliates from the economic perspective. But like I said, you know, Paramount Plus is not a profitable platform. Um, and, and so, you know, in some ways that experiment, cause it still is an experiment and how it ends up getting monetized is, um, you know, what we're doing here, but, um, it will definitely help build in conjunction with their established broadcast television network, um, the streaming platform that will help build a larger business. So the, again, we see, you know, CBS taking the most important media property, um, uh, and levering it to new platforms while preserving established platforms. There's all sorts of questions um, to be answered over the next 11 years. One of them is, you know, the broadcast affiliates and retransmission fees are paying the bills for all of this pretty much. Advertising's huge, but retransmission, growth and retransmission is what's going to do that. But here we have broadcast affiliates inside Paramount Plus. How are they being compensated for that? We know how they're compensated, um, you know, in the established system, it's unclear, you know, what that negotiation looks like. That's one of, that's part of the evolution, right? And um, that will be figured out. CBS looks to be moving first in that matter. And that will be a big story to pay attention to because there'll be, there'll be some, there'll be some anger. There'll be some cooperation, but eventually I'm confident there'll be a negotiation and there will be a business agreement that enables uh, broadcast affiliates to feel comfortable with streaming. Um, it may not happen tomorrow, but it's an 11 year deal. So CBS is at the forefront of trying to figure that out, I think, overtly. But again, they they retain their content for established platforms, which was crucial. And then they will use those established platforms to build the new ones. And that's the theme. Right. Um, that's that's what's important here. Uh, the established system builds the new system in a cooperative way that while messy and complicated, perhaps in the short run, it is the bridge to the future. And that's what's important. Join the conversation with the SportsPro community. Follow us on Twitter at SportsPro. Find us on Instagram at sportspro.media. And connect to SportsPro Media on LinkedIn, where you can also become a part of our specialist OTT community. SportsPro, connecting and inspiring the business world of sport. And then the kind of the big new one is, is is Amazon. I mean, they've been in the background. They've been they've been the kind of the third wheel, if you want, for Thursday night football. <laughs> um, <laughs> as much as Amazon can be a third wheel, I mean, I guess you know, it's like I guess they are. Um, I mean, I, there's a couple of things things in, in this for me. I mean, one is a massive uh, massive financial like big a big financial payment. Um, NFL Network, of course, is going to keep some games. Uh, I think I saw as many as seven mentioned, and uh, it's a completely new, like a completely new model to put this many games exclusively onto a streaming platform. And as you said, they'll, they'll in local markets these games will still go on broadcast TV. But yeah, what were your kind of what were your kind of takeaways on the on the Amazon side of this? Well, um, so look, Amazon did here what they always do. Um, they experimented for a while and they drafted alongside. Um, one of the interesting things about this whole you know, the narrative we talked about that didn't pan out, right? You know, uh, all this content, NFL content, was going to exclusively move to non-traditional digital-only platforms. Instead, it moved to digital platforms owned by established partners, 90, you know, almost all of it, right? A small amount now and 
probably more in the future. Amazon entered into this as an experiment. They do this across all sorts of industries. It causes a lot of excitement. Uh, they often don't, you know, they often give up the experiment. Uh, the, the primary ticketing, for example, they were going to kill Ticketmaster. No, we're not going to do that. We're getting out of this business. Reinventing health insurance, right, with Bill Gates. Uh, they dropped out of that business a couple weeks ago. But when they do find something they like, they strike. And for example, Whole Foods. And they make a huge investment because they need that kind of huge investment to get any kind of return. They got a $36 billion abetada for crying out loud. Um, you know, moving that thing over time is hard. So they experimented, got comfortable, um, hired some pretty good people over there, um, uh, like Mike Hopkins and Marie Donahue, and they um, came to a conclusion that the experiment needed to get upped because they were seeing some kind of results that they liked. And so for the first time, right, though Amazon's been involved in sports, you know, um, and they make a lot of press noise, uh, it really was not strategic. This is absolutely strategic. It's a billion dollar investment, which for Amazon is still not like a billion dollar for everybody else, but it's a billion dollars. And um, but most importantly, it's an 11 year term. It's the term that I pay attention to. It's that's a commitment. Right. Um, that commitment over 11 years, it, it tells you something. Right. It tells you that, you know, it doesn't mean that they're going to go out and buy any other sports. They may not. Again, they're Amazon. Right. They don't behave. You can't use old models to apply to them. That includes this idea they need more than this. Right. This may make them like we did it. We've gotten what we wanted. And off we go to continue with the project in another area truth of the matter is, is that you can't, you can't really know what they're going to do next, but this is clearly an upped uh, strategic commitment. They've moved to a different level of, of, of involvement, right? Where we go from here is anybody's guess. I don't think anyone should draft any ideas off of this based upon their past history, but this is real and, and it's a huge commitment. And what's interesting most about it is that it was made possible by Fox basically saying, you know, we don't want to do this. This this package is not working inside how we monetize. And the other established partners were like, this package has value, but not at the price you want. But it did have value to Amazon. It, it, the NFL originally wanted to do a traditional deal. They would have probably been happy with Fox. Fox had said they wanted to pay a billion dollars a year for the package uh, or more. Uh, I'm sure the league would have said, you know, that's where we're going to go. Uh, we'll just figure it out with Amazon in some other way. Um, but um, it became too complicated with Amazon and a broadcaster or established media partner. And eventually um, the, the established media walks away and the opportunity for Amazon to get involved emerges. And that probably forced their thinking a little bit. Uh, they added a bunch of games. They're still paying, you know, really the least of all the partners. But, um, you know, they're paying a premium to compensate the league for what is a move to a new platform that, even though it's Amazon, is uncertain, right? You know, the viewing on Amazon Prime Video has never been quantified by Amazon. Um, how this whole experiment turns out is going to be fascinating. Um, I'm sure it'll be successful. Um, but at the same time, it, it's a kind of a different biz model. And the league is taking some risks because they're sequestering themselves on a national basis behind what is really a retail paywall. So this is a big evolution. It's a big risk, but the league on a per game basis is getting about what they were from Fox and um, the total number is bigger and they're able to secure NFL Network, as you pointed out, securing the economics from NFL Network, which is a billion and a half dollar a year business with seven games while still being able to add Amazon um, is, is a real win for the league. So, um, you know, kind of Amazon came in and filled the gap 
that the established media couldn't do, right? And finally found a strategic home for Thursday Night Football, which I think has been eight years in the in the trying, right? But you know, you don't give up, and um, and that package now sits with a with a with a partner that views it as core, right? And has every incentive to make it work. And um, again, they round out the distribution package. They're the big story, but the real big story to me is 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 how established media figured all of this out and will control this content, almost all of it, right, for the next decade and one year plus. But the addition of Amazon enabled at the end all of that to come together for the entire portfolio to round out. And um, it's it's a great example of the kind of innovation that the league has always shown in its distribution make, matrix. Um, and and they did it again by being able to keep established partners settled and in place, build new platforms, and add a new a new partner with a completely exclusively different platform. Yeah, one interesting element of the kind of Amazon stuff for me is that now they've got to produce those games themselves as well. Or do you think that they'll try and find a, a different way of doing that? I mean, it, the the kind of exciting thing I think for people working in my industry is that we get to write about what they might be playing, what kind of they might be playing around with when it comes to alternative feeds or plugins or their sort of in-game enhancements. Do you expect we'll see a lot of that? Or do you think they'll kind of regress to just producing a sort of regular looking NFL game? Well, I think, you'll. Know, so first of all, in defense of the regular looking NFL game, that, oh, I'm not taking anything yeah. away from the regular game. Yeah. I mean, that's a very good product. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like, um, that's what the majority of people probably want still. It's how do you segment the, the presentation? Amazon, because it's a digital only producer, has an opportunity to do these things that you're talking about in ways that may not be invasive to the general market, right? To add value, right? To segment more, to offer folks who want to have a different kind of presentation, the ability to do that. And Everybody else will be able to take a look at that. And, you know, uh, TV is the biggest copycat business on the planet. Of course it is. Uh, everybody copies everybody else. Um, and um, any any unique innovations that come out of that will be adopted quickly by other partners. And Amazon will adopt any innovation they see from established media across their platforms. Um, I think that, um, you know, we can make too much of production. Look, uh, having the NFL uh, in your hands is a great responsibility. Um, the good news for Amazon is that they have some people that understand that there in leadership positions. And there are lots of good, talented senior producers, uh, directors, uh, media executives who can round out that team to ensure that the that the league telecast is in place. It's complicated. It's a lot of pressure for the NFL. Um, but there's people that know how to do it. I'm sure year one uh, will not look as good as year five. Um, but, um, if you take a look at the NFL network, when they started producing their own games, and of course they stopped at some point because that's what the league was able to, that didn't work for them economically and the league was able to get established partners to do it, but their evolution of their presentation within three years, it, it looked, it looked very good. So I imagine Amazon will be faster with that. Um, I, I don't think that they haven't sat there and I, I, you know, there's this, there's this, you know, Amazon, you know, sometimes things like this, you're the dog that caught the car. I don't think Amazon's the dog that caught the car. I think they're ready for this, right? It's like, it caught the car. What do I do with it? I've been chasing it forever. Um, I think they know what they're doing. I think they, they'll be able to assemble a team. Uh, so the the quality of the established presentation will be there, I think. And what will be interesting to see is how far they take the innovations, right? And how those interlace into the general presentation, because they're going to want to define themselves differently for brand. But um how far do they take that versus saying, look, here's an alternate feed for those of you looking for this. Um, 
I don't know, you know, if they're going to make a massive investment in talent. They may or may not. Um, it's unclear to me whether they will. Uh, certainly in 1993, it was necessary for Fox to do that. It's necessary to invest in talent. If you're Amazon, do you need to, you know, allocate, you know, $50 million a year to talent? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what their strategy is. But, um, the good news is they certainly don't lack for any media attention. So it's not like awareness levels are low on this. Um, people will at least know the, where that game is. Uh, figuring out how to do it is part of the challenge with going to Amazon. That's why the league is being compensated. That's why there's only 16 games a year a year, not, you know, 40 games a year. Um, but um, I think from a production perspective, you can make too much of it. It's important, but I think they'll figure it out. The question is, um, you know, what will they innovate and come up with? And will the general market embrace it or not? Um, you can have something extraordinarily innovative and useful and general market just yawns. Um, that That's kind of the history of innovation, right? Many innovations are underappreciated, right? They just don't get adopted. So it's going to be interesting to watch one of the key strategic innovators in business, Amazon, try to take the NFL, which is a conservative product. I mean, let's be honest, right? It's If it's mainstream, it's conservative because uh, in the true word of the conservative, because most people like it because it meets a general uh, taste, right? So how Amazon plays with that will be fascinating. And I'll be looking forward to seeing it. So yeah, the, the kind of point about the, the number of games is interesting too, actually. Like I, I know you're referring to the number of games that Amazon gets, but all in all, that could be that the kind of one of the other things in this is that all of those are going to be going up for all of the networks. They get a little, they've got more content to sell. For sort of, we've talked a lot about the media side of it. Perhaps if we look at the, the side of it from the league, um, what kind of comes out of it for them aside from a whole new bundle of cash? Well, the league gets to spend the next 11 years focusing on the league. Okay. They know that the partners they have have built enormous value, have, they've built enormous value with, and they've caretake, you know, 90% of the content is in the hands of Fox, CBS, NBC, Disney. Um, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's an all-star lineup. A, a, a small percentage of the content is in the hands of one of the true strategic value creators and innovators of the past 30 years, Amazon. It's not like they got to sit there every night and worry about this. I, I, I do think in 1993, um, the league, you know, took a risk. Right. Um, they bet on Rupert Murdoch and they bet on Fox and they bet on the team that Mr. Murdoch assembled, David Hill and Ed Gore and Scott Ackerson and the rest. Um, but, um, you know, and the talent and the decisions that those guys made from an innovative production perspective. But the truth of the matter is that level of risk isn't here. Right. They're they're staying with these uh, hugely successful media companies that have, you know, I, I was joking, beat the narrative on Twitter the other day, you know, this five-year narrative of, oh, they're all going to, you know, they're going to decline. Um, and certainly not everybody said this, but this was, this was, oh, they're declining. Oh, how do they compete with Netflix? Like they were ever, you know, in the sense of sports, ever directly competing with Netflix. How do they do all this? It's too complicated. You know, they figured that part out while they still kept everything else uh, that the league needed from a distribution perspective intact. You know, things are changing. It's more complicated. But um, than it was. And certainly the established media companies are still under the same threat uh, of innovation that any industry is in. And it's changed a lot. But so far, you know, they really passed the test, right, of getting through the first phase of this. And so the league not only has their past history with them, but they have this recent history of watching them put these things together. 
And if you add Amazon to the equation, they get to the league doesn't have to spend a lot of time worrying about its media partners. Certainly, evolving how content is distributed is an ongoing conversation, but they know everyone. These are not new faces. Uh, these are they may be doing some new things, but these are partners, multi in, in all cases except for Amazon, multi-decade partners. Um, and in the case of Amazon, multi-year partner. Um, so for them, they get to focus on building their league, maintaining their dominance as a sports league, uh, as a media property, and and probably trying to figure out the challenging problem for all American sports media properties, international expansion, which, you know, for the league has is 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 because people don't pay American football like they do in the United States has always kind of been a bit of a headwind. Right. So that would probably be something they're probably looking to do. Um, but for them, for the league, they win. They get their economics um, elite level. They have elite level partners and they are the most important property uh, pretty much to each one of those property, uh, each one of those partners in context. Right. Uh, their core. The league is core to all its partners. It's 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 a major reason for those companies to be doing what they're doing. Um, that's a great feeling to have. Right. All the competence. The, the, the reach and power of these media companies and, and Amazon, plus the fact that, um, that, that there's just so much history um, in, in working together with everyone. So if you're the league, you've got to sit back. Some people ask the question, why Roger Goodell makes $40 million a year? Uh, I don't feel like I need to answer that question anymore. Uh, <laughs> I feel he's answered it all for us. Um, and, and I think that you know, the league has, has done something literally amazing, right? Uh, they've they've shown the value of broadcast television while showing us what the future looks like over a decade long deal that um, that's economics are simply mind boggling because of the power of the NFL and in conjunction with its partners. Let's project a little bit here. I mean, one there is one uh, deal which has yet to be signed, and that's the uh, the Sunday ticket package, which almost looks like it's certainly going to come off of Directv. Um, does the league now have a chance to experiment with what it does with that. I mean, it's it's like you said, it's it's secured its main um, main broadcast distribution and got a lot more money for it. Can it be? A, can it afford to change up the distribution for that? Go with a few few partners rather than one single one, or do you think it will just be a case of they go back to those established partners and turn it into a uh, turn it into a element of an ESPN plus, a Paramount plus, a CBS All Access slash uh, uh, yeah, slash CBS All Access or Tubi or whatever it is. Do you think that's maybe the route they're going to go down with that? Well, so the ticket, right, is 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 an interesting question, right? So the ticket often gets lumped in like a window of NFL games, which it 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 does air in a window Sunday day, but it's not like any of the other packages. The NFL Sunday ticket is a peculiar creature of Directv. Okay, um, it has been there for decades. It was a marketing tool to drive subscriptions for Directv. Um, it never had much utility as an advertising sales play. Um, it's always been because of its unique nature, games on demand within one set video ecosystem, a marketing tool. Right. So the economics that a Directv allocated to purchasing that, you know, to, to, to having the rights to it, um, were all predicated upon how it interacted with subscriber acquisition and retention. 
Um, it, 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 so it's different than the other packages, right? It looks more like maybe, maybe an Amazon, except in the current Thursday night deal, except Amazon already has scaled its subs. You could argue that Thursday night football is a way to kind of try to find a way to build value with the subs they have, right? So what makes that interesting is that the Sunday ticket is a marketing tool and gets allocated in an expense bucket like that. It's not valuated on at DirecTV uh, on a cost accounting basis. Um, there, I estimate there's about 2 million subs for DirecTV uh, it, that have Sunday ticket, right? Um, out of, you know, 18, 19 million currently. It's not 15 million subs have the NFL Sunday ticket inside the DirecTV universe. It's about 2 million, of which I estimate a million of them get it. Um, for uh, either as an acquisition or a retention tool. So many of them are getting it for free. Um, the ticket leaving the DirecTV in, uh, universe because of those qualifications is very complicated. Um, there's $1.5 billion at stake here for the league. That's what AT&T pays to keep the ticket. And they pay that because the ticket is a marketing tool. Um, they're not looking for the ticket to give them back $1.5, $1.7 billion when they net out. Uh, it's much more complicated than that. So the league has a challenge here. DirecTV is a DBS, a satellite provider that is atrophying. It's atrophying um, at a greater rate than the rest of the established bundle. Um, and that's because the technology is antiquated. Uh, they're not investing in it anymore. A streaming or even traditional uh, cables into the home are probably a better technology than satellite technology at the moment. Um, that doesn't mean it doesn't have utility. 18 million subs are 18 million subs, right? Or, um, but um, the truth of the matter is, is that it, it, it's got some issues, right? Um, and, and, and the league is getting $1.5 billion for that. So the maneuver, right, for the league is the first thing we have to do is keep our $1.5 billion. Well, actually, we need to grow it. So um, it's kind of the physician's maximum. Uh, do no harm. Uh, if we break this thing out and turn it into a retail product by offering it to everybody over the internet, are we going to get $1.5 back? If you ask a lot of media people, they'd say absolutely, because they don't want to get direct TV for whatever reason, right? And they feel that they would subscribe to it immediately. But it's unclear to me that they can get um, uh, $1.5 billion for it back as a retail product. Um, because you're going to need a lot of subs at a certain price that in the old system, um, it didn't matter so much about that with DirecTV. It's going to matter as a retail product across multiple platforms. It's unclear to me that the ticket can generate that. I know that it'll generate that among media folks. I don't know if it'll generate that among the general population. Uh, DirecTV is a video service. It, it was built um, by my old boss, Eric Shanks, uh, content-wise, to be a sports-centric service for sports for sports fans. It still does that. Um, the people inside that ecosystem of DirecTV are buying a video package of which Sunday Ticket is a reason, one reason to do it. Busting it out into a retail product across digital and established platforms, it's unclear to me that you're going to find, you know, the people who went into Sun DirecTV for the Sunday Ticket were very motivated. I think that shows you a little bit about the market demand. If you really want the ticket, you have DirecTV currently. So going back to what you're estimating, what your market segment is, if you take it out of DirecTV, I think the retail product idea, put it on multiple platforms, doesn't necessarily yield the economics you need to have. So if you're going to leave DirecTV at AT&T, um, the question for the league is, how do I keep my $1.5 Well, the answer is the $1.5 comes from 
DirecTV treating the Sunday ticket as a marketing expense. Can I find a new partner, if I'm the league, that will do the same thing? In other words, the exclusivity uh, for the Sunday ticket within um, some kind of system um, that allows a new partner to treat it um, like a marketing expense. And it's actually not that obvious who can do that. Um, you could say ESPN Plus could do it, but by by making yourself digital only, you you wall yourself off from a bunch of people who are not going to interact with that product. If, if ESPN Plus, for example, um, wants to have the Sunday ticket exclusively, and I'm the league, um, I don't want to be in a relationship where I'm, I'm taking a bounty on subs. I need Disney to give me $1.5 billion. It's unclear to me that ESPN Plus it, it can, can even come close to generating that with the ticket inside it. And you'll also have to have that exclusively on digital platforms, which means established platforms can't be a part of it. So you kind of need a partner that just doesn't have a, um, a digital platform. That has a way to monetize this through established, right? But still within that one partner's ecosystem. The only one I can come up with really, um, there's two really. There's AT&T where it really lives already, the Sunday ticket. And there's Comcast who owns, you know, is a pay TV provider um, in the traditional sense and in the digital sense. So um, for the league, this is a complicated negotiation. Um, because they're trying to keep their 1.5 billion. They're actually trying to grow it. But how the ticket got to 1.5 billion is not the same way the other packages got to their two billions, right? And um, what happens next is going to be fascinating. There's also just a negotiate, deal negotiating mechanics here. Um, We don't really know what AT&T's backend rights are, you know, whether they have the right um, uh, under a negotiation to allow the ticket to go out for bid and then uh, the league has to bring the ticket back and say, look, we got $1.7 billion for this. You can match this, right? Because your deal says you can match it. Does AT&T really control the board? And if they do, that makes the negotiation even more complicated because if the league goes out and shops this deal, they could come back with a lower number than $1.5 billion, which AT&T could then match. So it's very complicated and interesting. I think it's, I think it's very misunderstood. At the end of the day, when I think about all of that, right, I keep coming back to if AT&T has back-end rights, they control this. And they have been very quiet about that. Um, it would be interesting to have some intrepid reporter really confirm whether they do or not. But the fact that no one can um, tells me that AT&T does. Maybe they don't, but I think they do. And if that happens, then it's going to be a very interesting conversation after all the speculation and about where the Sunday ticket should go. If it ended up at AT&T, right, and AT&T secured the digital distribution rights for the ticket, which really don't exist today, uh, and launched a new digital kind of service slash bundle, uh, that would be a full circle conversation where a lot of the energy put into what would happen to it turned it out being beside the point because, because of a contract structure, um, I think, and the unique, peculiar nature of, of, of Sunday Ticket. It's, it's, it's. I could talk about this for a while. It's very complicated to me. It's not at all apparent to me that the league can get 1.5 billion dollars for this, except under specific circumstances. So the next year is going to be fascinating. I think they were very smart in not lumping it into this deal and waiting a year because because of that peculiar strategic challenge. So I'm I'm looking forward to to paying attention to this. I think it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, I, so actually, that, some of your points there have really opened up my um, my own uh, eyes to how this could all play out. Um, I think we're sort of probably coming near to the end of where we 
this whole conversation, but I would kind of like to get a couple of just quick winners and losers for you. So actually, let's start with losers. Who's who's kind of not done well out of this deal? Um, the narrative. The narrative is loser. <laughs> um, the narrative of a digital-only, non-established uh, distribution future for Tier 1 sports is dead. Um, the future um, looks like established media, perhaps with some of those non-established digital-only partners working in conjunction, but it looks like between the NFL deal, the NHA deal, the Major League Baseball deal 18 months ago, um, Tier 1 sports are going to remain with their established partners, established partners built digital platforms that made this possible. Um, and for the next decade, the media landscape is going to be probably controlled mostly by established media when it comes to sports. And the question is, how many non-traditional digital-only partners will be added? We know we have one in Amazon. We know what that costs. So far, we don't really have any in any other sport. And is the NFL the outlier in that? Or is there room for some more other, other partners? Many of these deals are now locked up. We've got a couple important negotiations coming up, uh, you know, certainly with the college conferences. But, you know, given their conservative nature um, and, and the nature of their viewing of, the, of their fans, it's hard to see a, a, a real digital, non-traditional player coming in and getting any kind of significant right. So I think the narrative's the loser. I think the future looks an awful lot like established media being driving the car for sure, if not dominating it, thanks to their innovation with digital platforms. And um, um, I would say the next the next loser in that is also a narrative about what the future of distribution looks like. I think it's increasingly becoming clear as we see things like the WWE Network and um, you know NHL uh, TV and other products move into these new streaming platforms that um, that the established media created. Um, you know, the content is being bundled. The narrative that that the bundle is dead. Uh, well, certainly the established bundle is in secular decline and will someday do that. But bundling as a concept, right, is not dead. It's necessary to scale and to price it at, at, at scale, at, at bundled prices to be able to create cons consumer stickiness and, and gain pricing power. Um, bundling is going to take off on the digital side. It's already happening in content acquisitions inside specific fractionalized bundles. It's going to happen with services. The Disney bundle is a great example. The Verizon Disney Plus bundle partnership is a glimpse of the future. Services will be added into it. And with that, um, the future of distribution will be uh, kind of emerge over the next 10 years. But make no doubt about it, it will be bundled. Um, and um, so the narrative is the big loser, in my personal opinion. Okay, so the NFL obviously are the big winner, but uh, aside from them, who else uh, is who else comes out of this looking rosy? Well, I think um, I think I think all the established media companies come out looking um, very strong out of this, right? Um, they certainly have a lot of challenges in front of them, um, but they seem to have found a way to keep the content right, and they seem to have found a way to gain access to the new distribution system, and with that given their experience and their content libraries and their other sports and news properties, they have actually a really good collection of assets to be able to figure out what the future looks like. That digital rebundling, uh, how you allocate the content, how you preserve the past and the economics there while you grow the future. There's nobody really quite um, positioned like they are. So this, this deal, right, which was absolutely essentially, uh, you know, if one of the networks 
uh, Fox or CBS had lost the league, it would have been an existential crisis. By securing it for such a long period of time, they've ensured their ability to meet the future. So um, this deal was essential to all of them. What's interesting was it was never in doubt that they probably were going to get it, right? Um, and um, it was just a matter of figuring out what the economics were and also rounding out the portfolio, which Amazon enabled uh, the matrix to come together. They really did. They stepped up and took the one piece that seemed not to fit in and made it fit in. Um, so, the, so the winners are the established media companies and their ability now to take this content levered across their three different distribution platforms, broadcast, pay, which are atrophying and declining and streaming, which is growing um, and march into the future, primarily because um, they have the economics to do it and um, have the uh, innovation to do it through the new platforms. But most importantly, the narrative behind the non-established digital only platforms not just Air Amazon, right? But but Facebook and Google and everybody else. None of those companies entered into this bidding, and they did entered into it. Um, they didn't enter into it because it never made any strategic sense for them to allocate those kind of resources. In Amazon's case, they only ended up with Thursday Night Football because it didn't fit with the establishment, right? It wasn't like Amazon came in and said, "Here's a billion dollars. I'm outbidding everybody." That's not what happened. Uh, um, they they were partners who had an opportunity uh, to make the entire uh, package fit, and they did it. They fit, their their piece of the puzzle fit perfectly after 90% of the puzzle had been assembled. So, um, you know, again, the Googles of the world didn't see the value here. I And and that changed a kind of what kind of deal could be constructed. And um, I think that, you know, so when you talk about winning, it's got to be the established media companies because they survived that existential threat. And if you had to choose one in particular? Well, I would say that it's the one that's most exposed to the bundle, and that would be Fox. I mean, if Fox lost the NFL, um, it's hard to see what that business is. Um, um, but that being said, by securing the NFL, they have the digital assets now. And they certainly, their owner certainly has the economics, thanks to the Disney sale. I think he's got $50 billion to figure out on their own terms how they want to make their piece of the new digital distribution puzzle uh, come together. So they... They're the ones who, who who really came through because their business model is completely levered to uh, uh, both to bundling, both established bundles, which are in decline, and the reemergence of digital rebundling. They are all in bed on bundling, and you can't bundle uh, in the modern media world successfully at an elite level without the National Football League. All right. I think that is a great place to leave it. Patrick, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's been a really, really fascinating conversation. Oh, I appreciate it, Tom. Anytime. It's fabulous. The Sports Pro Podcast is published by Sports Pro Media. The producer is Ed Dixon. 